At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. We are live. Hello, YouTube. What is up? This is the Post Wrestling Cafe Hangout. This is really a hangout today. We're hanging out in my kitchen. What? No, no, no. The the post office kitchen. Oops, sorry. Oh, God, I forgot. We have a visitor. Yes, uh, yes, we are in my kitchen today. John, of course, is uh, going through some um, internet issues at his house. Therefore, we've had to bring operations uh, over to my place. And, I mean, this is really the best place to do it. So. I love it, Way. I mean, how festive. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I got to make you feel at home, of course. Christmas. Uh, you know, we even have a sign. So we really kind of pulled out the, the budget for, for this one. How are you doing today? Not bad, not bad. Thursdays are always a little bit... Uh, really hectic for us these days you know because we we try to fit in our uh review we just recorded our review of captain america so, uh the first avenger this is my third show today oh my god you did a show with wh this morning too yeah it is 3 p.m and then like you know there's like uh there's like we tried to fit in lunch in there we just had some delicious way gave me like a top three lasagna i've ever had in my life i mean it, it's costco wink wink so you know uh, you could have lied to me it was really good it was very good yes um so did that and then we got to like prep to set up for this thing which like involves more work than people think you know are were you uh subtly sending me a message by offering uh, way was a great host he offered me lunch said help yourself to any drinks I've yeah. never given you any food at my house, and you're at my place so often now. Oh, Wait, no. were, you, were you trying to give me a little nudge there? Like, not hey, when Wei Ten comes over, there's a certain expectation level. I do not expect it. I do not expect I just happened to have extra food in my fridge, and we didn't really want to go because we had so much stuff to do. So that's it. But here we are. I do expect coffee from time to time, and what you do often. I coffee 24-7. Yes, absolutely. You, you pretty much have a coffee dispenser in your fridge. That's what you should get. That is the key. I have, I'm stocked up on, I'll never run out of coffee ever, ever, ever. Uh, you know what I am enjoying actually this month is it's the one month of the year where they sell candy cane ice cream. Ew. The best. That sounds fucking gross. Oh, you're just weird. Candy cane ice cream? Yes. Okay. So like, a, like explain it to me, like a minty type of. Yes. It's got like some chocolate in it, some like candy cane pieces okay. and it's vanilla ice cream. That sounds okay. It sounds great. Like you actually like candy candy canes a lot, eh? Uh, I'm not really a candy cane eater, no. But candy cane ice cream, the best. Have you had your first um, what the hell do you, do you call those? Uh, peppermint. Uh, what's the what's the Starbucks thing that they, they have a peppermint mocha? Yes. Have you no, I haven't had one. Okay, so let's move on. So you only your so so it's the candy cane ice cream. Any other like festive foods that you're really into? No, not really. I do have um peppermint Kahlua that I never have throughout the year, but come the holidays, you got to make some festive drinks. Yeah. I, li I like making mixed drinks using uh, peppermint Kahlua as what, kind of the base. What's your drink outside of the... Uh... I've experimented with a few. I tried this uh, 
this white Russian drink out of the Kahlua did not taste that good. Any that have that call for cream, I hate cream in my coffee, mm. but alcohol, I'll make an exception. But it's the last one I made, I did not like at all. I think I'm just completely rejecting cream. Will you be bringing some perhaps to Braden Davies Christmas party? Uh, that's oh, wait a second. Wait, sorry. To be determined. I forget. We, we've had this discussion. Yeah, you sorry, have bailed on their party. I have not bailed. I, I had I had a family engagement that happened to fall in the same You have day. a priority above yeah, Raymond Davey. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Is this I, a Christmas event with your family or just a kind gathering? Of, yeah, kind of. Yeah. More and more so a gathering. Okay. You know, we don't formally really celebrate Christmas, but we do get together. Yeah. You know? I was going to say, if you just came up with a Christmas excuse, I was going to call you on it because I know you guys do Are not. Are you going to track me now on, uh, on, on that particular day? On that tip. And momentarily, we're going to be joined by Sebastian Suave That's from right. Smash Wrestling. So stay tuned. Plus, we have a TLC preview. And if you care to call in, we will be taking calls. But one of my favorite podcasts, maybe my favorite podcast, is The Daily from The New York Times. Mm -hmm. This is my morning ritual, is listening to this uh, on my explain, ride into explain work. Explain it for people who have not heard It's that is. It's hosted by Michael Barbaro. And it's every day. It's just taking a different news story. And instead of just repeating the facts they do such a great job of whether it's interviewing different journalists or getting to the why of the story and they go deeper and they'll connect it to other different stories of what is the bigger story at play here it's just such a fabulously produced short um short podcast it's typically 20 minutes every morning it's i'm addicted to it and this week they had an episode on the amount of user data that these companies are compiling on you and everyone is aware that it exists but to this extent i don't think it was known there are some people whose whereabouts were pinged fourteen thousand times in a day and the new york times they got their hands on this data of how much user data they have where it's just dots and it could literally follow you away of where you are going all day long they could know everything they want to know about you. And it's frightening. It is frightening having location services turned on your phone, how much you are giving, probably with minimal knowledge. And, and, and are we just talking about location? Are we also talking about like, is the microphone on? You know, are, are they monitoring? They're obviously monitoring your from this story. It's not like location, but they okay. they selected a woman that was willing to come on the show to see her data analyzed. Yeah. And they're showing her going to work, the route she goes to get there and back. But then they show her at this location. That's her ex-boyfriend's house that she's been going to. And she's like, I don't really care that people know this, but I can understand that people would be turned off by this. And they got to the point that, yes, it is. Maybe you're doing nothing wrong that you don't want to hide anything. But with this surveillance, it is going to subtly adjust your behavior when you know you're being watched mm. and followed, that that may, auto, it, it is going to be something that you are concerned with and it's going to alter your everyday actions. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, I think we're already kind of seeing a lot of repercussions of that, you know, like we're, I mean, I remember, oh God, like I remember like when, when the internet kind of first began and people were posting things on the internet, there's just such like a real cloud of an anonymity that you just felt 
like you'd be able to talk shit about anybody and talk shit about anything with zero repercussion. You at sound all. like an asshole in high school. I really was. I was like, I was a troll on a message board and everything like that. However, uh, we'll be joined by Sebastian uh, uh, Suave in a second. I, I see he's in the chat room right here. But uh, but however, like as we've kind of come to realize anything you put out on the Internet could come back to really haunt you. And I think we're already kind of seeing that. But that extends all the way until all this. This is almost like a completely different topic, but it's um, it it is scary. And I think perhaps if people want to avoid all of that, can you see yourself giving up a cell phone? Can you see? I don't think anyone can. Phone? That's um, at this stage, you're you're too deep into it. Yeah, I know. I feel if I could go back, uh, no. the The answer is no. I don't think I could. But yeah. I would be curious to know how many people when they signed up for Twitter or got an iPhone, if you could go back to that moment, would you proceed? I think most would because they would, it would be the FOMO. I feel like the positives outweigh the benefits. You know, I like being connected. The positives outweigh everything. the negatives. Sorry. Yes, yes, yes. That's what I mean. I feel, I, I like being connected. Like if I'm giving up a bit of my privacy in exchange to, uh, I don't know, be able to uh, use the internet at any point to look up Wikipedia anytime I want to have, you know, Google maps at my disposal. I don't know. I feel like, that might be a worthy trade. I just wish it was a bit more transparent of when I scroll to the bottom of the terms and services that I'm agreeing to and all the things I'm not reading. Part of it's on you, but it's also they make it so impossible for you to pop. I mean, I'm sure there's things in there that would frighten you to read, but I think at the end of it, you're still agreeing to it because the positive of what I'm getting out of this phone I know. outweigh you're willing to sacrifice your freedom. It kind of is the game. Which but. all goes back to season one of Serial and how they were not able to determine if Adnan was actually there and committed the murder or not. They tried to use cell phone towers to ping his uh, his location. Never listened to that show. But I, I'll take Season one is very good. Season three was a big comeback. Season two lo lost a lot of people. We have our guest on the line. Excellent. It's uh, with great pleasure that we are joined on the show by Sebastian Suave of yep. Smash Wrestling. They have a card coming up this Sunday from the Franklin Horner Community Center in Etobicoke, Ontario, entitled In Your Dreams. And Sebastian, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. Actually, first of all, I, Sebastian, I'm going to need you to unmute your microphone because I just muted you. So if you don't mind unmuting, hitting that little microphone. There we go. There we go. Sebastian Beautiful. is on the show. He has made it. Thanks for having me, guys. Always a pleasure. Oh, Sebastian, thank you so much for helping us uh, through our, our technological uh, adventures uh, to join us here live. Yeah. It is, uh, you get a golden star. We've done no less than like three tests, three microphone tests with Seb Sebastian prior, prior to coming on to this. So thank you so much for, uh, for obliging with us. No worries, guys. So we're just a couple of days out from the show in Etobicoke. We're going to go over uh, that card. But yeah. uh, what is a Thursday before a big show like for you? Is it just... Um, uh, constant uh getting ready for a show like this or have you done this enough times that it's kind of everything's in place and you, you know what to expect whether they be curveballs coming your way or just having patterns down to know what to expect a couple days out uh there's always curveballs and a lot of uh miscellaneous things to do but uh i've done it enough that that's what i do expect typically uh, the week before a show, it's not as productive on uh, the big picture front for Smash Wrestling. There's a lot that uh, uh, that's part of my routine that has to be put aside uh, to prepare for a show. But I've expected with every show, there's uh, always a particular staff member who's not available or um, you got to adjust to having more uh, 
guys coming into flights or uh, there's a lot of different variables with a live event or with TV, uh, even a social media presence that uh, just takes your time away. But um, I wouldn't say these curveballs aren't anything that kind of uh, uh, play with my nerves. It's, it's something you expect and you, essentially you're just uh, trying to balance your schedule throughout the week to make sure uh, the show is organized and prepared. But at the same time that um, if you're working on future shows or if you're working on any of your other fronts that you're not kind of... Uh, letting those things fall behind either. You balance the big picture ideas with the day-to-day grind that you inevitably go through because yeah. that's something that, I mean, me and Wei were actually just chatting about this earlier today. It's it's something we have a tough time with as well. How do you, how do you balance uh, the big picture with the immediate? Uh, we eventually got to a point about uh, two years ago where we were too big to be small and too small to be big. And I do think as we've continued to grow once in a while, I do mention to my team that we kind of fall back into that uh, because the more you grow, you're going to just have more to handle. So uh, even if you manage a, a few tasks, there's going to be even more stuff down the road. The, the, the balance is going to get even more challenging. And uh, part of that has been, I think I've been pretty good over the years to not micromanage and trust some of our team with uh, some of the other departments, even if uh, short term I be, be more equipped. You you do got to kind of coach other people or, or something, to be honest, give someone a ball and trust them, even if they do drop the ball a bit. Uh, some people need that experience and you can't, you know, you can't expect them to perfect the uh, uh, their job over one or two days. So I think we've done pretty well with that and it's freed up my own time. And like I said, a big picture for me, if I'm micromanaging too many of the small stuff, which is great show to show, um, you kind of procrastinate the big picture stuff that actually requires more of my attention. And I've kind of accepted the big picture stuff benefits us in the long term. So uh, if my attention is there, I got to kind of make my peace if uh, small stuff kind of falls behind a, a tad bit. You know, if, if you take the bigger components of what we've been over the last two years, um, that's more important than, let's say, if raffle is organized. Uh, I mean, having our, I don't want to underscore how important it is to have our staff organized and everyone knowing the roles, but you eventually put other people in a management role that they kind of take leadership of that and they just keep you updated on everything. If someone sends me a spreadsheet with everything and I can give it a, you know, the thumbs up, that's enough on my end. How big is your staff these days, Sebastian? And and how much has that grown since the time you began? Uh, it's grown. It varies. But uh, on our TV tapings, uh, a live event can have anywhere from 18 to 25 people. Um, wow. Everyone plays different roles. I mean, we have a production manager who handles essentially everything from audio, lighting, uh, the entrances, um, all the video packages, and uh, handles uh, leading our camera operators and all that uh, I run the backstage. We have a floor manager that leads the team for stuff like doors, merchandise, ring setup, uh, a bunch of other fronts. Uh, we have one or two people who just really don't fall under any category and like people who do content development and just need to focus on stuff like social media. Um, as long as they really hit their checklist, uh, I, I keep an eye out on if everything's at a pace there. But uh, other people, you know, not, not downplaying, but some people it's as simple as setting and tearing up the ring and during the show, uh, doing their part of security. Um, other people have a role that's, you know, pretty much keeping them from 6 a.m. to 3 a.m. with us on uh, heavier stuff. Like it, it, figuring out what all those components are. Was that something that like, you know, you've had to figure out organically as you've kind of built smash? Or? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's trial and error. I mean, uh, 
not to downplay, but some roles are quote unquote more sexy and fun, right? Uh, everyone would love to, you know, be a camera operator or run lighting and stuff for a show uh, or handle promos. But uh, some of the other roles, like a floor manager is one of the most essential roles for us. Uh, uh, it keeps the organization and make sure everything's done. Uh, basically, uh, to be blunt, we, we at times we've had a really big shit show uh, with the doors or with our organization or with ticketing and a lot of other stuff. And uh, that job is essentially to prevent a lot of this from happening. And at the same time, when it does happen, to not be nervous and say, I've dealt with this a dozen times. This is how we're going to solve it. Uh, that was something that has nothing to do with wrestling. And it just takes a little bit more maturity from myself and my team to prioritize and kind of say, hey, you know, yeah, we are putting something on TV. We do have these big names that come in and it's nice to watch the show or have a job that involves with the overall presentation of the show. But there are other roles that are valued and um, uh, our, our team has been very good at uh, kind of looking at where we have a hole and kind of trying to fix those rather than trying to take a fun job. The landscape is looking really interesting in 2019, yeah. Sebastian, and where all these players are going to figure in. It seems that there's a big arms race for signing up talent in all of these di different scenarios. Where do you see Smash Wrestling fitting in into this particular landscape? You guys do have television and yeah. you're a pretty well-regarded uh, promotion. Uh, Talent-wise, are you expecting big changes in 2019? Absolutely. I feel like the last time we had a long conversation, I kind of foreshadowed this being an issue for you us. Did. And and, uh, I, and that wasn't a revelation I had then with you. It was something I saw a year or two before that. I mean, it's nothing to complain about. There's pros and cons to it. And uh, disregarding the pros and cons, I think people just have to accept this is the way it is and to kind of uh, adapt uh, whether you're a fan or whether you're a wrestler or whether you're a promoter. Uh, you can't complain. There's, there's always an opportunity and there's always a... a, a an obstacle in either scenario. Um, pretty much for me, it started once WWE started with the Performance Center in NXT. Um, you know, not being assumptive of what they did, but based on how their roster and their development was formed in the past, you didn't see many of those indie stars uh, signed up. Uh, but once a guy like CM Punk and Daniel Bryan uh, blew up, uh, my theory was that they're going to sign 20, 30 of these guys aggressively. And if one or two of them are the next Daniel Bryan or CM Punk, they've got their uh, return on investment. If uh, another dozen of those guys end up being serviceable for three years, five years, they still get their return on investment. At this point, NXT's brand has grown to the point that if these guys are just NXT guys for five years and help that brand grow, they've got the return on their investment. So there's little to no risk uh, for them to go grab 50 guys over the course of one or two years. And they've been more and more aggressive with that, not just with the independence in North America, but you've seen the transition to getting guys from New Japan or from the UK scene and gradually adjusting uh, how they approach uh, exclusivity or the balance of letting guys do indie dates. Um, and, the, you know, they're always at the top of the food chain. So whether people like it or not, it is a ripple effect. When, when they started with this at an early stage, uh, Ring of Honor started their exclusive contracts, or at least uh, some guys who weren't exclusive, they'd still be TV exclusive. Uh, Impact and New Japan and companies like that had to adjust. Uh, the ripple effect down was companies like PWG had to adjust. And um, uh, the, what in turn happened for me, it's not judging anyone's prices or work rate, but uh, before you had X price for Young Bucks and Kevin Steen, uh, and they'd literally be a draw. A lot of guys may get buzz from your audience, but you as a promoter, you have to differentiate um, 
is this guy going to, when, when you announce a guy and uh, wrestler A gets a bunch of people on social media saying, take my money, oh my gosh, I'm going to be there. A lot of those guys are already your full-time fans or part-time fans. Uh, to me, it's fans that, to them, independence is more like Ring of Honor or PWG that are willing to make the drive to come to Smash Wrestling. And when we've had the Lance Storms, the Samoa Joes, the... Um, the Kevin Steens, the Young Bucks, those guys literally drew new fans. Mm -hmm. uh, once those guys were signed up, the guys who replaced their spot didn't draw as much as them or didn't, and they were charging more. Uh, and I'm not knocking them on that. Uh, they have the right to that, and that's how the market played out. They became the next guys. And the reality is that these companies that are in the same situation that us, that are... Um, a little higher but have to make changes that's where i express the similarities they had to offer more money uh, ring of honor had to do that pwg had to be more aggressive i don't know what the money was but they had to basically be more aggressive i don't want to be presumptuous there but they had to be presumptuous because sorry they had to be aggressive because they had guys to replace and if they didn't uh reach out to these guys or if they didn't pay they wouldn't get them and um i feel like uh nowadays impacts doing a respectable job but they also have to be aggressive i don't know uh, what their deals are, but uh, if they want the Sammy Callahan's and they want the top indie guys, um, they have to be aggressive or else New Japan or NXT or uh, Ring of Honor is going to be aggressive. Uh, and some guys, uh, their alternative option be maybe if a company is not aggressive in offering a contract, I'm going to maintain being an independent star. Riddle did that for a while when he had offers uh, until the right offer came about. So uh, there is a trickle down effect there. And, uh, it's putting us in a position where it's really difficult to get that draw. I mean, your core audience is passionate and we've been creative. I think last time we spoke, I mentioned we had to adjust to doing uh, versus shows of other companies, bringing in progress and CZW and what culture and those drew well for us, but uh, it's a short term fixture. It's something that we've revisited uh, on occasion and it's done us well, but it's not the long term bandaid. Um, it is a it is a big challenge and it's something that we've conversed amongst our team uh it's a dialogue that we are very wary of seeing amongst wrestling fans and wrestling media i mean the challenge is uh, uh those of you in the media and the fans and us wrestlers who are extremely passionate about uh wrestling at this level uh we all expressed honest opinions that have some validity but we're technically not speaking on behalf of those fans that we're trying to chase um again there's full-time fans there's part-time fans uh i'm interested in the fan that comes to one or two independent shows in ontario because cody rhodes or kevin steen's on it what will it take to transition that fan who does go to ring of honor uh every time war of worlds is in town and get them to give our company a chance not just to come for one show but to retain them i think uh we, we've asked a lot of our core audience what was the first show that brought them in those key four or five shows that had progress or aj styles or landstorm were indeed those shows that uh, did the job so um it's really challenging for us now because the options are less like you mentioned and uh, something that fans may not see as a perspective is for us to be in a, an, in a premium venue that uh, provides the right production uh, for TV uh, limits us to sometimes one or two choices in a five, six week span. So let's say Neville's on the market and we want him. Guess what? We only have one date to offer. Uh, the, the alternative is to go to back to a gymnasium, which sometimes we must. But uh, again, that you start playing with, uh, do you lose the TV spot? Do you lose the prestige of the venue? Um, there's a lot of factors that go into that. And uh, some venues uh, of that uh, 
of that level, you can't get your dates for a full calendar ahead of time. You got to kind of play cat and mouse with them because they have other big players that roll into their uh, concert venues for sold out shows. Do you see a big decrease in those stars that like a Matt Riddle, like a PCO that could just go all over the place that those days are kind of coming to an end because if someone is able to catch fire like that, they're going to be signed up to an exclusive deal from any one of a number of companies. They are, but uh, as many guys online are saying, it's cyclical, right? Uh, There'll Mm -hmm. be new guys who will become stars. As for who they are, when that happens, if they'll be actual draws or just buzz guys, um, you know, I'll I'll use an example. I'm comfortable using this guy as an example just because I am – He's one of my favorite wrestlers. There, I couldn't put a price on him. Jeff Cobb was one of the greatest guys we brought in, and I'm comfortable not saying, but for variable uh, reasons, he wasn't a draw in in Toronto. Uh, our fans ate him up, and he delivered top-notch matches, and it improved the atmosphere, and it gave us online cred. It gave it, it gave an extra platform to our guys who faced them. Uh, he was worth every penny, but he for whatever the reason, you know, he wasn't drawing what a young bucks or the other guys would draw. And you look at a market like Toronto, it's similar, potentially it's like pro sports to New York, Chicago, LA, the big four or five markets, uh, Boston's there too. These markets, uh, kind of need more, you know, that's why those, uh, big new Japan ring of honor shows are often in those markets or all in was in those markets. Uh, these are the markets that you see in LA. They have nearby PWG, AAW in Chicago is essentially thriving off having a similar format to uh, PWG with all the top uh, luchadors and top Americans. Uh, you got to go big. And uh, uh, sometimes that option is not available. And uh, both those companies are readjusting, uh, losing a lot of those guys to uh, uh, from the UK and at the same time losing a lot of those guys in North America and Mexico. You mentioned about uh, homegrown stars, and I yep. thought that that came to a, a peak that you guys have been working on for a long time, and that was yep. with Tarek yep. uh, this past August uh, at the Super Sh- Showdown event, which I thought was w- one of the, your best shows I have ever seen. It's actually a free show you guys have up at uh, smash-wrestling.com. Can you just, uh, for those that maybe did not see the show, the circumstances behind that with Tyson Dukes, and by the end of the night, you have Tarek, who is... You know, somebody that I think you guys have done a really great job with, and that has been several years in the making. What was that night for for you as a promoter seeing uh, that moment actualize? Uh, there was a lot of emotion there because it was a year and a half in the making. For almost two, three years, we've talked about we've been really good at making stars within this company. I'll never take the full credit. The, the talent have to do their share in the ring in promoting the show, but we did really well with uh, the Rosemary and Ali uh, starting point when Rosemary uh, transitioned from Cordy Rush. We did well with, uh, you know, uh, building Kevin Bennett, who never used his real life uh, rap skills in a ring until we encouraged it. We've uh, we've done a lot with a lot of guys. The Wello Machines were, you know, a unique thing in Smash Wrestling that started up and took our crowd, uh, you know, in a unique way. And we've been we've had a lot of pride in the guys that we're starting to invest in like the Kevin Blackwoods and the Daniel Garcia's, but yeah, we, we, you know, it really came down to one or two guys that, you know, at the time we knew Tyson was going to have a long run as a champion and we just didn't want to transition to someone else. We always had 
top guys like Johnny Gargano and Matt Cross as our champions. Um, Mark Haskins, when we worked with Progress, and Tyson was the first Canadian champion. And this was going to be the first time we make a star as a champion. And it is a risk because of all the you know big names we've had on our shows. But we wanted to do it right. And essentially what we did is Tyson's long reign was uh, defeated by a screw job. And essentially we made a eight, nine month, even 10 month uh, chase of him winning essentially our version of the Royal Rumble, which is a singles tournament called the Northern. And uh, so the whole story is kind of like winning Rumble to go to Mania to win your title back. And that's what everyone expected to happen. But uh, essentially how we played it out is that uh, the heel stable uh, uh, assaulted Tyson a, f a few shows prior and made sure to do the job uh, the day of the show. And uh, Tarek started the night in a big match with myself, which was a blow off match. Uh, so everyone was satisfied in the crowd with his story and our job there was to make sure he gets over as much as possible because uh, in the main event of our biggest show, without giving people the opportunity to foresee Tarek becoming the champion, he's just announced right before the match starts that he's Tyson's replacement. And that's kind of a passing of the torch there. Now, uh, unfortunately, due to a couple circumstances, uh, the, the, the title had to be vacated and uh, we had to kind of work it in with... Uh, having a, a, a vacant title up for grabs. But uh, luckily, the story was told right. Uh, the night, like you said, was one of our best shows in our history. So uh, by the end of the night, there was a lot of emotion from the locker room and the fans. And uh, Tarek's story was told perfectly. And uh, we've always taken pride in maintaining our roster uh, and building our roster. Uh, our fans will always believe in them and they'll educate a new crowd, even if they don't know who they are. Uh, we know by the end of a show, um, you know, when Brent Banks' music hits and the crowd starts chanting bank his money and, you know, he does what he does with this athletic ability, the crowd's going to, the new crowd will know who he is and he'll be a valid star in our in our dressing room. It's just a matter of uh, uh, retaining those fans. And we did a good job with that show. I think uh, we, we did start to see a, a, a new core of fans start coming after that show. So, um, yeah, it, it was a big full stories. And uh, we've been building for over a year that uh, something that was authentic. Tyson always said the four pillars of Smash were uh, himself, Brent Banks, Tarek and myself, uh, four guys who always brought the best in each other as opponents. And uh, by the end of the night, we finally st stood united, kind of uh, having the other three of us come to Tarek's aid. Um, and kind of having a special moment post the match. And it was really cool. Something that I don't know if you guys managed to see online, but we released a video one of the wrestlers recorded backstage. But once Tarek walked through the currents, literally every single member of our uh, locker room and even our staff, the announcer and the commentator left their post. They were there to give him an ovation. His pregnant wife was there. And uh, uh, you can see how much he was thrown off and humbled by the moment. And that, you know, I really enjoyed that because it, it was an organic moment and there was a lot of sincerity and, uh, people, uh, you know, his peers and the staff kind of giving him the approval that he is our champ. I'm curious, like, you know, several years in now, how would you describe uh, maybe Smash Wrestling's identity uh, it, that separates it from maybe other indie promotions that aren't just available in Toronto, but worldwide? How would you describe it to somebody who hasn't really checked out Smash? Uh, the easiest way I can explain it is uh, with the whole explosion of professional wrestling online where uh, over the last 20 years it's transitioned from tapes and dvds where uh between youtube and uh, on-demand streams uh 
wrestling is very accessible. Uh, American fans can be educated about wrestling in Japan. Uh, clearly, uh, fans are educated about wrestling in Mexico and the UK now. We've seen over the last decade uh, the relevance of Japanese wrestling in North America. We've seen the UK explosion thanks to the online market. Uh, Canada can be the next one, and Canada should. The reality is um, Canada will always be kind of meshed in with the United States, and um, American wrestlers can legally come to Canada, and Canadian wrestlers can't cross. The, there used to be exceptions in how it could happen. Now it's just a flat-out no, and it's a big risk. A lot of guys have been banned for five years. A lot of guys are uh, taking a big chance, and unfortunately, how or professional wrestler transitions to getting more bookings in the States is you got to start with a couple smaller companies to get to the bigger ones. But now you're looking at, do you risk five years for that smaller company when you still have a fairly good buzz in Canada? So um, I think that's preventing a lot of Canadians and the Canadian scene from booming. If we had um, an easier transition in getting into those American companies, I do think there's a, there's a good three or four companies in Eastern Canada between uh, you know, uh, Toronto, Hamilton, Windsor, uh, Ottawa, Montreal, that are booming quite well. And if the opportunity to get that exposure transition to these guys going to those companies like Beyond, AIW, AAW, PWG, and others uh, without the risk, I think you'd see a bit more of a boom in the Canadian scene. But uh, uh, I guess that has to kind of happen more internally than our, our guys crossing over. Uh, it is it is a big challenge, and it's again it's something that's not fair. But like I said earlier, there's always going to be pros and cons to it, and you got to kind of accept and adjust. You guys are also airing Thursday nights, eight thirty Eastern, on the Fight Network in Canada. How have you found uh, when there's a television component to that, and Sunday will be a television taping? Uh, does that does that present other struggles as well when it comes to getting guys and who you can put on TV, who you can't, and weighing? someone that can draw and sell tickets versus someone you can put on television and get the kind of the full value out of as well. Absolutely. Uh, at first, uh, there was a possibility of not having impact guys on our show. And we already had two, three roster members that were with them, but uh, that was worked out uh, at the time with uh, impact and Anthem. And for, we were fortunate, but uh, ring of honor has always been a challenge. There's a talented locker room there. There's guys who contact us. Uh, or who can do independent dates, but uh, um, we have two hurdles with them. The Ring of Honor roster are typically uh, exclusive to TV, so we can't have them on our TV show. And even if we uh, were not to air them on TV and just have them there for the live audience, uh, Ring of Honor guys are contracted strictly in the United States plus Toronto. Mm -hmm. So uh, whether we're in Toronto, and I think we tried once or twice with London, it's still considered uh, close enough to Toronto. Uh, we can't acquire those guys. So there is a challenge uh, there and with everyone else kind of uh, being in a rat race to lock up guys and have them under higher restrictions. Um, we're going to encounter those problems again uh, down the road. And it's something that we've been familiar with. It's something that we expected to continue in that trend. It's been a little more aggressive over the last six months, but uh, uh, you deal with it. There's, um, I think right now uh, you got to be smart and kind of, tap into the UK and to the Mexican and to the Japanese markets. Um, it's It comes at a cost just now with the talent, but uh, um, the flights and travel and the demand of their schedules. Uh, I do think there is a short-term benefit to that, but long-term, 
I guess the benefit is if you consistently bring these guys long term, there's a benefit. But uh, again, scheduling is very challenging when we have our dates set and these guys have a busy schedule. Um, we, we, we try to balance uh, doing a bit of that in early 2019. But at the same time, kind of like you've mentioned, we, we do have a talented core roster we've built up. And uh, we really got to get uh, people to buy into us. Uh, I, I wouldn't say we're in a bad place. We've always been in a good place, but it's always what's next. Uh, uh, TV has uh, always been uh, a benefit and a blessing to us. It's brought in a new audience. Um, but we have to kind of, again, who are those fans that are part-time fans? If they come to six out of 12 shows a year, how do we get them to 12 shows? And to the fans that come once or twice, how do we get them to six? And to the fans that never come, how do we get them to buy into a Cody Rhodes or a Neville match at Smash Wrestling? Um, in regards to the TV aspect, it's been an incredible challenge. Luckily, um, the basic format of it and everything else, we've, we, we grasped well and we executed but we came quick. Uh, we came uh, quickly to realize that you kind of have three audiences. You have the live event audience, you have the TV audience, and you have the social media audience. The people who may not be able to attend. Um, you kind of got to keep all three on the same page because uh, you alienate one. Uh, you start feeling challenges if uh, if the TV. We've always been good from day one not to make our live events feel like a TV taping. Uh, we don't want it to go four hours. We don't want the main event to start the show and we switch them around the show. <clears throat> excuse me so what we did at first we were kind of in a position based on our one hour time slot which came to 46 and a half minutes to have two to three matches a show um it it, it presented challenges that uh, essentially if you go from two live events uh, some matches may be back-to-back weeks uh, for storyline purposes or two weeks apart but some were three four weeks apart unfortunately and that's really hard to tell so we accept it. We kind of worked around that, but eventually we got to a point when we have uh, where we're at now, where we have a one and a half hour time slot. Uh, essentially, what we do, we break down our live events to the first half and the second half being two shows. So we've always been good with making sure the live event experience of what a Smash Wrestling show is still authentic. It's still the same. Uh, we don't break down the shows. Uh, the, uh, the live audience sees what TV sees. If we uh, have to film something. Uh, uh, if we have something between two matches on TV, we like to show it on the big screen. Uh, so we kind of, it's almost like the live event is seeing the exact same thing as TV, the cold openings, the skits, the in-ring promos, uh, the video packages, uh, mm-hmm. if there's a beat down backstage. Um, and we try to get some clips out there. I mean, there's still some challenges because, uh, you gotta be reality. We are a small operation. We're independent, right? So, um, we have all these, uh, staff members who have day jobs and whatnot. It's, uh, you can't burn them out. You can't have them put so many hours into this uh, to the to to get that perfected. So uh, I think that's where a lot of independents uh, will see a challenge. It's they they grow, and you're too big to be small, too small to be big, and you got to find eventually. You got to decide where you want to commit your time to. And same thing with your game plan. Uh, where's the growth? Where's the money? And sometimes you got to maybe put a little less time in uh, one or two other fronts. You were uh, originally going to have Jimmy Havoc versus PCO on this show, and yeah. uh, PCO, of course, was uh, is you know now a full time wrestler for uh, Ring of Honor. How, yeah. what came into the decision to replace PCO with Holden Albright rather than maybe finding somebody else from the international scene? Uh, it was exactly as promoted uh, before. We knew that there was a possibility of losing PCO, and uh, we contacted him. We had to wait a few days to hear back from him, and that time just on the basis that there was a rumor out there, Holden Albright said, Hey, uh, I'd like to step up and get the Havoc spot. If you can put some faith in me. And 
I, you know, at first I had my reservations because again, our audience would recognize that, but uh, we don't want to potentially lose any of the new fans that were coming uh, for that main event, uh, having essentially two names in the main event. But uh, on, we used to be very good at uh, even on 48 hour notice finding a replacement, but those guys are far and few between and uh, being in a hardcore match and kind of having two guys whose style was complimentary is it limits you even more when you're trying to go out there and get a draw that would fit the, the bill. And we talked about it as a team and we were fine taking the gamble. It's like, let's just tell the story as it is. Uh, this kid has a lot of heart and drive and everyone in Ontario knows he has promise. Uh, we think our crowd and the Ontario regulars would receive it well. Uh, let's just tell the honest story. This guy has heart and drive, but he also has balls. He asked for the spot. He wasn't shy to ask for it. So here's your chance, kid. And, you know, fortunately, it was received very well. And I do think, uh, you know, we, we didn't have any refunds. Anyone who was there still for Jimmy Havoc and Kikutaro and all the other um, uh, high-profile guys, I, I think they'll be impressed by him. And uh, it, it's consistent with the rest of our roster, with the Terex and the Rosemary's. Um, They'll be impressed with our guys that they didn't come there. The idea is they come for these guys, but they stay for our guys. So I think this will be a, a similar scenario. We got one question here from our uh, live chat room, and it comes from yeah. Hanzi, who uh, wants to know if you've ever con considered uh, perhaps uh, if the WWE ever came calling to uh, propose a deal like they have with Evolver Progress. Uh, is that yeah. something that, that you know you are working towards, or is that something you're just not even thinking about? Uh, it, it crossed my mind uh, well, because people have suggested it, and uh, they are being aggressive about how they go around uh, – uh, the globe, to be honest, but uh, uh, I feel they wouldn't on the basis that Canada is essentially um, a similar market to the United States. And uh, uh, for example, uh, Evolve would come and has come in the past to Toronto. Uh, Ring of Honor comes to Toronto. Impact comes to Toronto. Uh, it's it's part of the same market, just like pro sports. Toronto is part of the same market as uh, for NHL and Major League Baseball and NBA. So I, I don't think they would need a Canadian brand, but uh, I feel like if they needed a Canadian brand, I think just on the basis of who we are and who we've built ourselves and our reputation, uh, uh, we would be in the conversation. But at the same time, it's uh, uh, I try not to be too blind to it, but I've taken a lot of pride in this being uh, uh, kind of my baby and my my it, my team has some ownership to it too because they put a lot of sweat and tears and blood into this too. So uh, if and I've been open to the fact that it might not be WWE. If we have a partnership with anyone, whether it's WWE, there's a lot of people chasing big goals right now. Uh, it have to be under the right circumstances. So I, I think the best course of action is to always be open minded either way. But uh, we've had a lot of faith in what we've done, and if we are to take a step like that, it has to be under some of our own terms. Sebastian, you've been very generous with your time today. I want to let everyone know that In Your Dreams is going down this Sunday in Etobicoke, Ontario, the Franklin Horner Community Center. The bell time is 5 p.m. It's going to feature Jimmy Havoc taking on Holden Albright. Uh, the pillars consisting of Brent Banks, Tarek, and Tyson Dukes taking on the Kevin Bennett Experience. Kiku Taro will be there uh, doing a seminar earlier in the day, mm -hmm. which I hope, Sebastian, you guys record that. That could be fascinating. Yeah. Uh, he's taking on Mike Rollins and you will be taking on uh, Daniel Garcia, who I've just heard tremendous things about. This yeah. is uh match three of your best of five series. And yeah. he just seems like one of the many names that should be on a lot of people's radar. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, just to give you an idea of uh, what the kid's all about is the other day on social media, he just posted hungry dogs run faster. And that's not a slight at anyone who's uh, been around, but uh, that's his mentality that uh, he is not shy to work hard and to to be confident about uh, his quality of in-ring work. And um, he's, he's not going to be denied, in my opinion. If someone doesn't open the door for him, he'll find another door. You can, uh, again, catch that show this Sunday, 5 p.m. All the information, smash-wrestling.com, and you can watch them on the Fight Network. Thursday nights, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. And Sebastian, thanks so much. I always love having you on. You always provide so much insight. I think that you are someone that uh, really understands all the trends and are typically ahead of the curve of where things are going. So thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate it. It's always a fun chat. Great. Thanks, Sebastian. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right. That was Sebastian Suave. Very much uh, thank him for joining us on the show. And I mean, that's somebody who I think really has a great understanding of the landscape. And I think 2019 is going to be such an interesting year uh, from all the different topics we covered there. We covered quite a lot there. Toronto, I think being as competitive of a market for professional wrestling as it is, I think it says a lot that, you know, his cards are often ones that you and I will will talk about, and you know, uh, to me, he he has been making the most waves on an independent level. Yeah, of all the competitors, I would seriously recommend if you haven't watched any Smash uh, to watch that pre-show they put up on their site, the Super Showdown event from this past August. I know you didn't make it to that show, but I, I thought that was maybe my favorite Smash show. It's a great show, and it had the the big Tarek title win on it and some great stuff uh, tessa blanchard was on that show jeff mm-hmm. cobb pco so anyway that's a a great kind of introduction if you have not been uh open to seeing smash in the past but uh at this time i i threw out the link right there in there for the chat room if anybody's interested in uh, jumping in, in the chat oh we have our first one already and it's our favorite friend hanzi who is uh attempting to connect hanzi let us know if you can hear us as we await your, your call. But, uh, oh, there he is. Hanzi. Oh, what's up, man? You're on. What's up, dude? How you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? How does it feel to be on the biggest show you've ever called into? <laughs> <laughs> dude, this is probably second, man, for real. Um, yo, uh, I Hanzi, say of that- course, a former regular on the Howard Stern show. Thank you so much for uh, that. Um, yo, actually, I, I got a story um, uh, at the gym. Um, there's a guy with a Bullet Club shirt. And, you know, normally I'm, I'm a wrestling nerd. So when I see a guy with a Bullet Club shirt, I do the too sweet thing with them. And then we started talking. And then uh, he said, yeah, I listened to uh, Post Wrestling. And so you guys united, like, uh, you know, Post Wrestling is uniting fucking wrestling fans all over the place. Wow. We're big in the gym scene. I guess so. <laughs> Yeah, but um, my, my question, I'll, I, I, I don't want to take too much of your time because I know other people might want to call in, but I just want to ask, uh, what are you guys looking forward to uh, uh, this weekend uh, um, as far as TLC goes? Like, what match really, like, gets you guys going for that? I, I think that the women's three-way is going to be excellent. I'm, I'm looking forward to that a lot, and I, I it reminds me that we were actually supposed to do our preview well, on Well, I've this got show. the card here. We are going <laughs> to quickly go through that. We, uh, oh, we, had a, we had a great interview, so I don't mind. You know, that. Hansi, that's an awesome segue. Why don't we just get into our preview right now? Well, well first, I want to hear what you're, you're most interested in, Hansi. Oh, yeah, what well, stands out? Um, for me, I, I got to say, man, this women's feud uh, is, is really, really good, man. Like, I think this is probably one of the better things that have taken place uh, during, like, you know, this, I don't know, I, I call it the creative lull, I guess, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, but, like, but the 
I'm glad Asuka is finally. I was disappointed with Asuka. I, I'm glad Becky is like getting pushed, but I hate that Asuka took a a several month, you know, uh, you know, tumble to like the mid card or something like that. But before I go, Paul, like I just want to ask quickly: uh, uh, Are you have you watched Mayans yet, or are you gonna watch it? I will. It's something I want to get to. Um, I just finished uh, Making a Murderer season two which oh. I did not enjoy. Uh, but the Mayans is on my list. It's just finding the time to. But it, uh-huh. once I do, I will uh, I will share my thoughts. I'll, I'll say this, that if you're a Sons of Anarchy fan, the tie-ins creatively will make you uh, make you go, okay, this is worth it because I'm getting an extended view of what's going on in, in, uh, in Sons of Anarchy and all that. The tie-ins to the Mayans. I can't wait. You, oh, yeah. You've sold me. I'm sure I'll... I'm certain that I'll, I'll like it. All right, thank you guys. Uh, thank um, you, Hansi. Thank you, Hansi. Always good to catch up with Hansi. Always love hearing from that guy. All right, uh, TLC. TLC. Let's, let's quickly get in there. If any of you guys want to call in, uh, you, you can do so. I'll probably have to put you on mute before we as we go through this, but uh, we'll try to get to you before the Has end. Has this been the most seamless cafe hangout that we have done? Uh, I would say so, and maybe a I large mean, a part. call and an interview. Let's not jinx us, okay? This it's has not been over a perfect yet. show. It's only been 48 minutes. All right, let's go. Okay, let's start. Um, I am just going to go here from the bottom up. So let it, let us start with Rey Mysterio versus Randy Orton, a chairs match. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, what are your favorite chairs matches? Way. Uh, you know they don't often come to mind. I mean, there's certainly not a stipulation like a ladder or a table. The 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 least uh, intimidating of the three uh, weapons in the title here. But um, I mean, I'm of the opinion that this was a match that probably didn't really require a stipulation and really just kind of has this chair thing, you know, wedged in there. Um, no pun intended. Uh. Um, I expect it to be a good match though, because these two are, are, like I said, veteran performers. I'm a little disappointed that maybe we didn't get that one big segment coming out of SmackDown to lead into this. Um, like I said, I thought the first week of them doing something together was the most important week. And I expect this feud to actually continue. It does not feel like they've kind of, you know, hit that peak yet. They have to tape in a relatively small window over the holidays. I think a lot of these feuds, you mm-hmm. can see rematches on television and blow-offs to the feuds then. Um, I could see that with a lot of these. I, I see Randy going over. I would argue that for his character, it would have been great to do a big, like some heinous attack with the chair, but that's been done now. He's it's been done, done twice. Done that it's kind of redundant at this point. Yeah. And I don't like the idea of Ray beating Randy at the moment. Randy seems mm. to be the one you that would let that would end the feud. Uh it kind of would. Yeah. yeah. So so Randy Orton. Buddy Murphy versus Cedric Alexander. They have not announced what is on the kickoff and what's on the main show. Wouldn't surprise me if this is on the kickoff, but maybe they'll throw it somewhere in the midst of the show. Uh the story of every 205 Live match. I think it'll be one of the best matches on the show, and it ultimately will come down to whether the San Jose crowd is into the match or not, because a dead crowd will hurt it, and a hot crowd will elevate it. I think they will be into it. Um, you know, it, it's also dependent on when they go on, you know. Uh, but I also don't even think so. Like, I think at this point, how, you know, Previous iterations of WWE's cruiserweights have existed. I don't think there's a real bad stigma of these guys being boring. I think the stigma, well, I mean, I, the the rep now it's just their familiarity with the characters. But, How many are following Two Hundred Five Live? Right, but but the rep now, I think for for Two Hundred Five Live is that like everybody knows the matches are solid, the, and oftentimes like the this, best this matches be on the whole good. thing. Yeah, like they had on the at the Super Showdown. I thought they. I mean, I'm trying to think of another match that was better than that one, and it's kind of hard for me to think about. I mean, Ali and, and Buddy Murphy at Survivor Series was very good. 
Yes. Wow. So, you know, I think everybody now sees the 205 Live roster with a level of respect. And I mean, I, I predict San Jose will get kind of give them that same respect. On that note, did you see like when uh, WWE tweeted out that photo of like the 205 Live roster gathered around yes. the monitors During as Ali's match? Ali was having that match? I mean, that just makes you want to cheer for that whole crop of guys. You know, they truly are the underdogs of that entire, at least if you consider them a part of the main roster, they really are. The 205 Live. 24 special will be great i would love to see that yeah just to kind of know what's going through all these guys heads i don't keep up with the week to week to me it's just too much product to to watch and not enough relevance to be given to him but i will gladly tune in for a match like this i i see murphy retaining i do too natalia ruby riot in a tables match Oh, God. This is the one with the Jim Neidhart stuff, right? With the Jim Neidhart table. I will, if, if they have Natalia go through that Jim Neidhart table, I, I, I just think this should be Natalia, her win, and now the feud is over for a second time. Um, I think so, too. I think it's better off. Like This was definitely, I would say, one of the feuds that maybe got some criticism over the past several weeks, along with the piss, along with the you know all that stuff. I expect Raw to have a bit more of a reset than it even did this past week. And I imagine this feud will go go by the wayside. What if uh, so Natalia probably has to win? I'm trying to think of a way you could incorporate a new set of sunglasses. For it kind of like came to my my head the other day that hey, like I'm watching Total Divas and Natalia's putting over the importance of this jacket. What if somewhere in the whole creative process during Raw these past several weeks, somebody suggested pissing on Jim Neidhart's jacket, and then. I could like this is all hypothetical. This is not my mind. Don't like, give them any ideas. But like, what if somebody suggested, "Hey, Natalia has to get you know, or Ruby Ruby has to get heat on Natalia." What's what's the most I I think uh, associated part of Jim Neidhart's memory? It's the jacket. It's even mentioned in Total Divas. Maybe somebody suggested pissing on the on the jacket. Obviously, Natalia didn't want to do that, and but they loved the piss somebody there loved the pissing so much they decided to bring it to bobby i don't know i'm just being i'm just saying what if the bar versus the new day versus the usos for the smackdown tag titles could be a very good match um mm -hmm. you know what concerns me is that this is such a big card of matches that you're gonna have to have some shorter matches that are probably not going to get the time necessary mm -hmm. but uh if given the time i kind of like that these three teams don't have a stipulation they have to work around i yeah. think that they could just have a really great three-way match i do too although like bully retweeted out uh, this past week that he really wished that these three would Did have had the tlc stipulation because he feels like this six these six people would be the closest at that the closest chance anybody would get to living up to or, or surpassing the legacy that those previous tlc matches set and i'm like ever since he said that i'm like man i wish this was but the storyline isn't really there. It's not hot enough for a TLC match. Right? I agree. I I feel that TLC stipulation, it should be when the match is ready for it. Not that this stipulation is going to just be added to help the match. But again, that's also up to them. Let's say like, you know, the, like three weeks earlier, they said, hey, remember those amazing TLC matches? Nobody has been able to beat those TLC matches, TLC matches since. We are the group of guys that, that could do it. And then if you just hit that note for three weeks, I think this would have been just as hot, but maybe nobody really thought about it. Elias versus Bobby Lashley. It's a ladder match, but the guitar will be above the ring and you can grab the guitar and then use it as a weapon. See, like for whatever reason, like at least those tags, tag teams, I think could have really benefited from having a ladder. Instead, they give the ladder to Elias versus Lashley. 
you know i don't have any interest in this match makes no sense i i don't care either like as a match i have no no real interest in it i think i guess do you think the ladder will help or hinder an elias match i don't think it makes any difference i don't think it's I think it's so stupid that you're hanging guitar so that you can use like is the match over once no no you can just use it so you can use it and what is it you pinfall then and then yeah and then I mean it just come to me it completely negates like the the ladder but I think Leo Rush is taking a guitar shot um sure yeah I could see that Finn Balor if healthy taking on Drew McIntyre this could be very good. It's kind of just in the middle of nowhere. And with Balor off TV, they, you know, the feud has been Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler. And this is, this kind of just feels like a match um, with Finn, you know, kind of getting his revenge on Drew, costing yeah. him uh, his first loss on Raw. Yeah, this too, to me, is a feud that doesn't really feel all that hot. Um, you know, I could see it. I, could, I mean, either way, I see Drew winning. And I could see them just being done with it. Well, well, being undefeated or lots of wins don't matter all that much. So Drew could lose. It's fine. Uh, I just don't see like Finn Balor beating him. But I do see, I mean, I could see the feud continuing. You know, I think both guys are, are projects of theirs. Drew, obviously, but I think they see a lot of value in Balor as well. You know, well, what else is there for Drew in the immediate future? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, this big gap until the Rumble, and he should yeah. be one of the prime focal points of the Rumble, so, but you've blown through that Dolph feud. I don't need to see that ever again. I mean, we always talk about with Finn Balor, uh, you know, as a regular person, he is very beatable, but as the demon, you know, oh. he always has to have reason to bring the demon. This could be a feud where he maybe Drew's going to beat him as the demon. Along That'd the be way. really sad. That'd be really sad. But I mean, the rumble is coming up and I think that rumble would be justification to bring a demon out if you wanted to. Uh, then let's go. Oh, the finals way. This has your heart. Uh, Fabulous truth against Mahalisha. Oh, this is the real main event, isn't it? This is actually listed number one. I on, know. On the Wikipedia. I don't <laughs> That's know why, why I'm not building up to that. as the last up. match. Uh, <laughs> dude, well, I don't know. Uh, our who, truth and Kamala are winning this. Who's going to be, who's going to have the funnier skits, you know, uh, on vacation quote-unquote i do think also i mean our truth and carmella are certainly the fan favorites but i mean you know who, what does that matter like they're into you know building heat and who like i almost i'm leaning more towards no i'm with you truth and carmella because like gender and alicia coming out number 30 each it just it means nothing this should be on the kickoff I think so too. I, I in hindsight, like I think the thirtieth entrant thing is such a waste of a stipulation to give to this tournament. Like most of the focus has been on this vacation. You could have just said winner gets the vacation, and I think you would have had the same amount of importance and intrigue in a match like this. But you know? there's a great idea, and I, I didn't. I can't take credit for this. It was uh, Dave Meltzer who had the idea that dance break. No, it's you can have our truth get attacked. And then you know there's a mystery person coming in number 30, and that can be a debut of somebody of importance. I that never makes sense though. You attack somebody on their way out, and all of a sudden you, you get, take their number, you get their contract. Wait, we just reviewed SummerSlam 2013. Possession of the money in the bank briefcase, you get the control. That's how things work. But then that debuting person is gonna have to lose the rumble. Maybe not. Who says okay. so? Have to? Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm just not sure. Who, Depends on what the idea is. But who, who not currently on the roster could foreseeably win the Rumble? But anyway, I don't really care about the number thirty spot. So whatever they do is fine with me. Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, uh, for the Intercontinental Title. It's listed here on Wikipedia as a ladder match. It's not a ladder match. It's just a mm -hmm. straight up match. Okay. 
Yeah, Wikipedia. We should probably not use Wikipedia anymore. Unless they change something without uh, <laughs> telling you on Let's, television. Yeah, we should probably that not is, use that Wikipedia. Is it's, it's not possible. a lot of match. Not a lot of match. Right? Uh, but where do you see them going here? This is a very oh. important match, especially for Ambrose. I mean, I think Dean has to win. The feud has barely kind of began. You know, it's been a month. That kind of, of slots Dean immediately, doesn't it? Like, to, to lose? Like, where does this go afterwards? I think Dean has to win. Oh, I thought you said uh, Dean loses. Sorry. No, no, no. I, th okay. I think Dean has to win. Okay, gotcha. Uh, take the title from Seth and just kind of build up from there. And Seth, I mean, I feel Seth should probably be winning the Rumble or at least be coming out pretty strong. I feel he should be the Brock match at Mania. I think so too, man. But what, what, what does he just like, you know, leave Dean at that point? And who, who's Dean's opponent? Maybe they're looking at Dean versus Roman. As a program, if Roman is healthy, well, that's that's a major, major right. if, especially but, but for they WrestleMania. They don't know. Yeah, but you got to start making plans now. You need right. to have things in place. And to me, Seth is going to be the bigger priority going into Mania, mm -hmm. and they're clearly going that direction. That is the the promos from Seth. He mm -hmm. is dropping the hints, which that's all the extent of it should be yeah. now is hints. Either way, I feel like Dean is the one. Uh, that you should kind of really be putting a lot of your focus on and building. And Seth can lose that title and move on to the world title picture. I also hope that it's a bit of a different style from Dean Ambrose. I don't want him to wrestle the same way he did as yeah. a baby face. I want to see some different things from Dean because we haven't seen a big... He's been kind of limited mm -hmm. in terms of matches since the turn. So this is the first big showcase of the new character. And I hope that there's some differences, whether it's his look as well, his gear... He's uh, already debuted a new look. He's well, got a jacket and the Bane mask. He might come out with that. Uh, Braun Strowman and Baron Corbin TLC match. Um, I can see a lot of smoke and mirrors in this. I don't expect a full out match here, given that Braun just had surgery. Mm -hmm. uh, I can see Rhino showing up here. I can see a bunch of stuff like all of Baron's past coming to bite him and Braun wins the match. I feel like you'll probably see like you know things like Rhino. I wonder if Slater actually will be involved here. He I, might... th I think he has to be. Yeah, I yeah. think all that stuff is going to be involved. Right. Okay. So, but I mean, I think in that either case, I feel like with Kurt Angle could maybe. I don't know. I feel I'm like just... you save that for Raw. Maybe, you know. Maybe. But like, I think Baron Corbin loses this one number one because you know Braun has to be uh, get the get the title shot, and then um because. Raw needs to get rid of this Baron Corbin GM thing. I think they're, they're seeing the trend. I think they want to wrap this thing up as quick as possible, and this is their out. No, I feel that that third hour on Monday, that yeah. number, I think that should seal that you've got to end this now. Yeah. Um, Ronda Rousey, Nia Jax for the Raw women's title. They had a very good match at Money mm -hmm. in the Bank. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm expecting good things from this. Ronda does not disappoint on pay-per-views. I, I think that this should be... A really good match. I think they'll get a lot of heat, especially for Naya. And I guess it'll be curious what the direction is coming out of this. Yeah, I'm curious too. I'm curious to see how the crowd reacts to Ronda. Um, you know, they, this is a crowd that I imagine will still continue to be really hot for Becky Lynch. I wonder if they'll cheer Becky Lynch all over this match, which I think is possible. But um, Ronda, obviously, to me, will retain. Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles for the WWE title. I'm curious what kind of reaction Daniel Bryan gets in this because I feel it's just going to be all of a sudden at a pay-per-view or, or it's going to be an overwhelmingly positive you response. You think so? Uh, I don't think we're there yet, but we're getting close to it. I mean, number one, he's in there with AJ, who I don't think the fans are really going to boo. Like, no, if this was, is a good opponent to yeah. pair him with. If he was in there with Baron Corbin, then yeah, like this audience is going to turn. But I think a Daniel Bryan audience is, is one that 
understands and respects what the man is trying to achieve and won't necessarily go against what he's trying to do. So I think they will play along and mm-hmm. boo him. Uh, I, no, no need to take the title off of Brian. Yeah. Uh, you've just started this. Um, where does this go in the show? Uh, I don't think it'll close. I think it'll go somewhere towards the, the latter, I don't know, third of the card. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we have Becky Lynch, Charlotte, and Asuka. Triple threat, tables, ladders, and chairs match for the SmackDown Women's title. Main event? I'd put this on last. Yeah. It's going to be, it features the hottest character. It's the biggest feud going into this show. It's, it's the t- most it's fans' a, interest. It's a TLC match. Yes. You know, certainly I put this uh, in interest. I'd put it ahead of Baron Corbin versus Braun Strowman. I wouldn't even so. be debating closing yeah. the show with this. I think it's such an easy choice. I am intrigued with where they go. This is a way to get the title off of Becky mm-hmm. without her having to suffer a loss. Yep. It, on the one hand, you could put it on Charlotte and then Becky going into the Rumble. It, pre- it presents an interesting scenario if she were to win the Rumble and her choices are Ronda or Charlotte yeah. because she has history with both. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she also has the Nia stuff to tie up. Or you could just surprise people and could argue that, I mean, is there any chance of Oscar winning this? Or do you think that it's either Charlotte or Becky that leaves with this title? There's a chance. I think there's a chance yeah, too. I certainly think that there's th- a this could ultimately rehabilitate Oscar. And I think there's a very good chance Becky loses this. Now yeah. you could also argue, why should we be screwing with this? She is on fire. Is now the time to take the title? I off think now her. is the time to take it off because with it, the idea that we're giving her something bigger, chasing it for WrestleMania. Winning the Rumble to me is bigger than holding the belt for another month. You know, I think Becky is your lead babyface in the company right now, and I think giving her that final spotlight by you know winning the, the being the last person seen at the end of the Royal Rumble pay per view with that momentum heading into WrestleMania is certainly the way to go. And again, it gives you the opportunity to transition her from the SmackDown roster to the Raw roster or whatever. You know, they could still end up doing a three way at the end. But their options are open. But the key is to have Becky Lynch, I think, being the, the chaser. Knowing the long game for Becky Lynch, would it have been a smarter choice to have accentuated the injury and done the idea of stripping her of the title rather than putting her in this scenario where she does have to lose the title? Right. Okay. So if you strip you Becky- sacrifice her on this show, knowing mm. that the bigger story is her being uh, the title is taken away from her and she's got to fight her way back for it without actually losing it. That's I think that would have been fine too. Um, so so let's play that scenario. They strip Becky of the belt. That means you have Charlotte versus Asuka potentially let's on say, this sure. show. Yeah. The result I think would have largely been the same. Maybe they felt like, hey, Becky's healthy. Why do we are we taking her off when we when we could do the same thing by putting her in this three way, you know? But the more I think about it, the more I, I think for sure Becky has to lose the belt. All right. That's TLC. Twelve matches. God forbid if they add any A more than that. A lot of matches, yeah. All right. Um, very lively chat room tonight. Thank you all for uh, being here. Um, again, um, you know, we're we're way past I think our, our usual time. I don't know if many of you guys still want to uh, jump on or um, whatnot. Um, but let's give it a few minutes while okay. I, I go over what's. Uh, you can even throw out your questions there in the chat room. And we'll try to get into them. So. Very busy weekend. We talked about it earlier this week, but uh, starting tonight, MLW has two nights in Miami. Friday night, they have a live broadcast from 8 till 9. So they'll actually be going head-to-head with the final battle pay-per-view, which is now at 8 o'clock Friday night, and that's a four-hour show and maybe the most newsworthy show of the weekend. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, final battle I think is very interesting now. Um, I will be very curious to hear your review. 
Yes, the elite are scheduled as well for Saturday night at the TV taping. So that's their last official appearance for ROH. All right, we got one final guest to join in on this show. He is a man who uh, was really looking forward to, to being a part of this. So I'm glad you've made it on. MJ from NJ. How are you doing, man? I'm good. Can you hear me? I can, we can. hear you. Yeah. Well, today I am live from New York City. I was right previously outside of Grand Central, but then I had to come inside back to the office. Glad, Live from New York. You guys. Oh, dude, thank you so much, man. It's nice to, to see you and to finally talk to you in person, man. Um, what's on your mind today? Uh, you guys just uh, touched on it. Final battle. I'll be there on Friday night. Very excited. Uh, John, I'll look to send you a live report. Uh, That's great. It's, it's goes, a great card. It, yeah, it looks like a very strong card on Friday night at the at the Hammerstein. What, are you, most strong, yeah. what are you most looking forward to? Uh, uh cautiously optimistic that there uh, is going to be some kind of big payoff, big angle. Uh, I think that the way that being the elite has kind of played out, uh, they certainly signaled something. Um, they usually do deliver when they've done that in the past uh, in big ways. So looking forward to that. Um, but Tony Khan runs out. <laughs> I just like, I mean, I, I too am like, my interest is certainly heightened as a result of being the elite, but I don't like... Knowing that your employees are going to leave your company, would you give them that airtime to play an angle to, to help them transition? So define leave for me because here's what I've been kind of kind of thinking throughout the the last couple of weeks since we found out about the All Elite Wrestling is it could just be another promotion just like uh, Ring of Honor, just like Impact, just like uh, Game Changer, just like any of these that they can work together. And if there is a deal that is struck to work together – and to maybe promote the all-in shows under All Elite Wrestling and do sponsorships and merchandise and the things that the Elite kind of have done on their own already, that is a promotion that exists for that purpose. And there's still the talent share. Um, you know, and, and same thing with the New Japan situation. I did want to touch on that. The, the New Beginning U.S. shows, to, to book those and to not have those guys locked in, it's kind of mind-boggling. You're going to keep the main talent in Japan, right? Okada, Tanahashi... Naito, they're not going to come to the U.S. if you're doing new beginning shows in Japan. And then you're not going to have the Bucks and Hangman, the U.S. guys here to represent your company. Um, well, I, so, I think so the, I do, the yeah. talent announcements for those U.S. shows will kind of tell the tale on how they view those U.S. shows. And I mean, the L.A. show, it's not a very big venue they're running, but the Charlotte venue is. That's a couple thousand uh, to fill the Grady Cole Center and what kind of talent they're going to earmark for those shows. I mean, those are not shows you can just fill with dojo guys. They are going to have to set aside some people. And I guess the, the curiosity will be how big of a name will they set aside for those U.S. shows? And what kind of a priority are these shows? They're not running them for no reason. Completely agree. Uh, and that's kind of why I say, like, to, to, do, to, to plan these out, same thing with the Garden right now with the, the Super Show to plan these things out where they can kind of flop if you don't have the marquee names or at least some people there uh, seems a little short-sighted. Um, and I just, the, the way the booking has been so good over the last couple of years, I can't imagine they would go into it like that. Great. Anything else on your mind, MJ? Um, the, just the, the last thing, cause I do have to get back to work. Uh, curious, your thought on the defense of raw writing and how difficult that task has been. I know that, uh, I think Jim, Jimmy Jacobs and, uh, Seth Rollins certainly chimed in yesterday. And then, uh, I believe it was, uh, Keller, Wade Keller, who might've responded today, kind of similar to how I was saying it in the forum yesterday is you're getting paid a lot of money. This is a job. 
Like, I don't want to hear how hard it is. If it's that hard, then don't book five hours of live TV and make it easier on yourself. So I'll leave you guys with that to maybe uh, get your thoughts. Sure. I, I just want to say I loved your, your thread uh, and I loved your response. Like basically MJ says, get the fuck out with that nonsense. <laughs> WWE is going to get paid over 2 million an hour starting October. I have zero sympathy for writers and the company that milks their fans for every last ounce of free time. Um, I totally understand, you know, like if, if could we use the same excuse if it was like, you know, another TV show? I think TV. it's listen, and I I have a lot of sympathy for the writing staff at WWE. It's an incredible amount that they have to put out. Uh, I I don't compromise that with quality though, and they're in a system where it's ultimately one person's vision. That is what you are watching on Mondays and Tuesday nights. That is Vince McMahon's show, and it's a very difficult show. That sometimes I, I know for a fact that. Writers are trying to push things through and they can be very resistant to any kind of change and getting anything uh, past a certain point. It can be very difficult. So I can see a lot of frustration in a system. If you are one member of that team that is has an idea, that has a long-term story, but you are somewhat handcuffed. But the idea just that it's hard mm -hmm. and somehow we have to be able to just, um, you know, oh, sorry. Like that's then say that by you guys accepting those rights fees and uh, t taking the the positives yeah. of that third hour, you, it also comes with a responsibility. And not to compare us, but you know, if you and I were just to do a podcast, it, we did this show, and it's terrible, mm. and we had nothing great to say, and it was just a waste of time, and all these people complained about it afterwards, and our response was, "We do so many shows every week; it's really hard." I don't think people would be all that sympathetic. Like you guys take this on and you want to get a quality show. And on top of that, it's it's the biggest complaints are coming from people that are still watching the show. So I wouldn't want to necessarily upset those people that are still watching this three hour show every week. I don't disagree that like, you know, writers probably get the brunt of like most of the anger, you know, when it comes to uh, professional wrestling uh, raw and SmackDown in particular. Um, but yeah, at the same time, I I I feel like it's best to just not say anything and just take it and just respond by producing good television. I mean, at the end of the day, you that company put out a show on Monday night where their babyface lead is telling you this show sucks. Yeah. That's the message you are giving out on your own show. And you're you're stunned that the audience is is echoing that sentiment well i mean like that was more so echoing the sentiment that was already on, on the internet you know like seth rollins was basically the voice of the internet at, at that time but of course it amplifies it sure but that's i mean that's the portrayal of the show at the moment right. raw yes. sucks at the moment is the the theme that is the story of raw at the moment our show sucks yeah yeah it does but we continue to watch, and we'll see if they change coming Monday after TLC. All right. This has been the longest edition of the Cafe Hangout. Yeah. Uh, we're going to wrap it up. Big thank you to Sebastian Suave. Once again, In Your Dreams is going down Sunday, 5 Eastern, uh, from Etobicoke, Ontario's Franklin Horner Community Center. Uh, thanks again for joining us. For waiting, I'm John Pollock. Thank you for hanging out.